Josh and, and Meg were, um, were out. They are actually in uh, Mexico. Um, one of the churches that we go uh, visit um, every year, and usually multiple times out of the year, um, is having their 30th uh, birthday, um, which, is a, which is a big deal. And we've been a part of that church for almost a third of their um, existence, for about 10 years. And so they invited um, a group of us to, from our church to come down and just celebrate what... Um, what our church has meant to their church, and, and just looking at it from our perspective, what they've meant to, to us as a, as a church body. Um, so I thought it's worth mentioning, and, uh, and I think it's just very cool to see how um, just the body, uh, the, the big C church uh, functions, and how we, uh, we interact. So um, anyway, uh, I have been up here a couple times, um, and it doesn't get a whole lot easier. Uh, I usually tend to be a little shorter. I had somebody ask me, um, before, they said, are you going to do one of your famous, like, 15-minute Matt sermons? <laughs> so, I'm going to try for 16, 17 minutes today, y'all still get out in time to go eat. Um, anyway, uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight um, is something that, that I've definitely um, been dealing with personally and just kind of sorting through uh, myself, that the Lord's kind of had me working through, but, uh, but I think it's something that we can all uh, benefit from in some way, shape, or form, and I think we've all experienced. Um, it's this idea of the, uh, the fear of man. And fear of man is something that we've heard, I'm sure. Um, it's, it's mentioned numerous times throughout the Bible. Um, it is, uh, we talked about it in here, Josh has talked about it numerous times. We talked about it at some point in our community group material. And, um, but I think if we were to ask, like, if I were to go out and ask people out, ask you out there what the definition of it is, I'll probably get a little bit different, different definition each time I'd ask. And so what I want to do first is just kind of start off with uh, just a, a working definition of what we're going to use tonight, and then, um, and then we're going to look at uh, just a couple of things. We're going to look at um, just what exactly it is, what, what it stems from, um, how it manifests itself, in, uh, manifests itself in a lot of ways, but more specifically our community, and then with our relationship with the Lord, and then what to, what to do about it. And so, um, so I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be good. Um, so let's, let's do this. Y'all, while I'm uh, telling y'all a definition, let's go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 1, that's where we're going to be for most of the night, and I'll be kind of going back and forth to some, to some different places. Can y'all hear that fan blowing into the mic? Is that? Yes? Alright. Good deal. Better? Alright, good deal. Alright, well, let's, let's start with, uh, with a definition. Um, when we talk about the fear of man, uh, here's what we're going to be talking about. It's basically when people become bigger than God, uh, and we are more powerful, more significant in our minds, and we begin to become controlled by them, um, which basically means we begin to let them uh, influence what we think, what we act, um, how we see ourselves. And so um, that's going to be kind of the, the definition we're going to work with, and I think it'll become a little bit more clear about what we're talking about as we go. But uh, like I said, I think, I think all of us have struggled with this at some point. Um, Middle school is a perfect example. I think middle school is just an awkward time in general uh, for everybody, but breeding ground for fear of man, for worrying about uh, what other people think. Um, I was telling somebody a story earlier. 
In middle school, I, te- I, I, I still do. It's probably more information y'all need to know, but I, I sweat a lot. I just sweat. <laughs> and so, and so uh, <clears throat> in middle school, I was just, that, that was, some of my, most, my worst memories from middle school was just the fact that I would just sweat, and I was just so scared people would see it. So I would wear like three undershirts, and, and that didn't help at all. And so and I, would, I would walk around hugging people like this, you know, so, they, so I don't know what was worth the sweat or the, this, this number right here, but... But, uh, but seriously, we, we deal with this a lot. Um, you know, it's called people-pleasing sometimes. Uh, any people-pleasers in here? I, I, definitely me. Um, uh, insecurities can manifest themselves as, as fear of man. Uh, um, peer pressure. Um, we can go to the extreme of abuse. Uh, definitely the effects from abuse can result in, in some sort of fear of man. We can kind of use a lot of different examples. Um, evangelism. We talked about evangelism for the longest time. I mean, how much, how, 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 how much do we let fear of man affect our ability just to tell our story? Uh, and so I think we, we've all deal with, dealt with this. And I think some of us deal with it more significantly than others, more, more in-depth than others, but we can all relate uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think it's, it's, it's dangerous because, like I said earlier, it's, it can affect the way we see ourselves, um, the way that we view our relationship with the Lord, and the way that we interact with, our, with the community around us. So I think it's important that we recognize it. Uh, and look at the roots, and then and then figure out how to address it. So um, let's do this. I didn't even turn to the passage. All right, let's uh, let's look at this. We're going to start Second Timothy chapter one, uh, verse three. We're going to go through to fourteen. We're probably going to take a chunk, stop, talk about it, and then finish the last half later on. So let's look at verse three. It says, uh, "I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day." As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in, your, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit of fear, not, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So we're going to stop there. Um, let's look at the, just the setting that we're talking about. Um, the author of this is, is Paul, and he is, he is writing to Timothy. And Paul at the time is in uh, prison at, in, in Rome and, uh, and is awaiting death. He is he's pretty certain that death is, is coming, and, and in fact, death is coming. And, and so he is writing this to Timothy, who is um, a friend, uh, a close friend, uh, somewhat of a, of a, a mentor. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He kind of discipled Timothy in some ways and, and also a co-worker. Um, Timothy, you see Timothy introduced in Acts, and you see his name um, in Paul, a lot of Paul's introductions to the churches, and he was kind of the, uh, one of the guys that Paul would, help, would use to kind of inst- uh, instruct the churches that, were, that they were visiting on the things that Paul was teaching. And in fact, Timothy is uh, in a church of Ephesus right here. And so, um, so Paul is writing to him um, for a couple reasons. One, he's, this is pretty much his like, last letter to Timothy in, in a sense. He knows he's, knows he's going to die. He's writing to a close friend. Um, so it's not specifically any, any instructions for the church. He's just talking to them as a as a as a close friend. And so we see we see that we see Paul writing to Timothy. He's talking. The bulk of the letter is uh, aimed at like perseverance and suffering and and, uh, and and some different instructions that he would want Timothy to to kind of gain from from what he's taught him over the years. Um, so we see Timothy, and, and if we look back at First Timothy, um, Paul wrote that years before a couple years before. And he wrote that to Timothy to specifically address um, false teachers in the church of Ephesus. And um, if you look at the second Timothy, after the midpoint of, of, verse, of chapter 2, 
he goes, he goes on to talk a lot about uh, opposition to the gospel of false teachers. And so I think when we look at this, we see, um, when we see Paul mention fear in verse 7, we see some examples of what possibly he could be talking about. I'm sure he's talking about a wide range of fear and probably talking about fear in general. But if we look at, look at Paul, he's, he's awaiting death at the, at the hands of men. And so fear of man, fear of harm uh, in that sense. And you have Timothy who is at a, at a, at a place where he's kind of helping lead churches, a church that is, uh, that is facing false teachers, facing opposition, um, and so you see there, there's that uh, aspect of, of fear of man. So we kind of get an idea of some different examples um, of, of fear of man. Um, so I got a lot of papers up here. So I told myself that I would try to do a little outline like Josh does, and that didn't happen, so I'm missing me flipping a lot. But anyway, um, so, let's, uh, so we see kind of the fear that's in the text. And like I said, I'm sure he's talking about fear in general. I think it's safe to say, looking at the context, that fear of man is, is definitely one of those things that he's talking about. When he, when he talks about, you know, for God gave us not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Um, so let's, let's go on to, uh, to, verse, to verse 8. We're going to just read verse 8, or part of verse 8, and then stop. Um, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but sharing and suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Um, so we see this, this word, ashamed. We see that a couple more times even in this first chapter. We see it in verse 12. We see it in, uh, in verse 16. And so um, when we talk about this, this word, I think it's, it's an important place to start when we're talking about fear of man. And you see it's, it's a very close association between verse 7 and verse 8. He says, you know, we, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, um, do not be ashamed. And so um, let's start with a, uh, with a definition of of what ashamed is. Um, I got this from, that you can put it up there, awesome. Um, I got this from a combination of two sources, between a sermon from Piper, John Piper, and, uh, and a book that I've been reading that actually talks specifically about fear of man. It's by a guy named Ed Welch, who's a counselor, and, he, and the name of the book is, um, uh, I think it's the name of when, when people are big and God is small, uh, and it talks about dealing with the fear of man. I'm going to kind of quote that a couple times through here. Um, but when we talk about shame, we talk, a definition that, that we're going to work from is, uh, is a consciousness of guilt or shortcoming or impropriety, uh, which can be caused by uh, us or others. And so, um, so when we look at this definition, I think it's important to kind of look at the roots of why that, uh, this guilt or this feeling of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety exists, and, and especially how it relates to the fear of man. Um, when we kind of look at the root issues of shame, um, I think, take a step back and look big picture, we got to kind of address the issue of sin and a holy God. So if we take, take a step back, big picture, um, you know, we have a holy God, perfect, righteous, creator of all the universe, um, uh, completely holy, um, free from sin. And we have us as people who, who, are, who are sinful. We were born into sin, um, began with Adam, continued throughout our line. Um, and so we are sinful. And so we are very aware of the fact that we, are, we, we, we have sin. And I think that's where you, when you start looking at shame, that's where it kind of starts. We're very aware of our shortcomings, of our sin. Um, and even as Christians, sin's still present, and we're still very aware of our sin, probably some, sometimes more so than we need to be. Um, and so uh, we have the shame that we feel for our own sin, and, uh, and also, I, thought, I mentioned abuse a little while ago, but we have the shame that can be inflicted um, by others as well. Abuse just kind of magnifies past abuse, um, can magnify that sense of shame in people. And, and so you see kind of the, 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 the snowball effect that can occur there. Um, I think from this side of the cross, as Christians, we know that's not the whole story for us. 
Um, but sometimes we still live there. We still live in the fact that we're very ashamed of our sin. Um, we still live uh, in that, that constant sense of guilt and condemnation, even though we've been freed from that. Um, and so along with that sin, we have this fear of, of being exposed or, or rejected. Um, exposed for the sin that's there um, or rejected by people. And the reality is, you see Paul mention in uh, verse 8, he says, Do not be ashamed, um, but share in suffering. So the reality is that we're gonna, there's going to be times that people will reject us. That's, that's the reality of the world we live in. People are going to hurt us. People are going to reject us. Um, and it's not supposed to feel good by any means. But, um, but that's the reality. And, and even within, heck, within the church, people are going to reject us. People are going to hurt us. I mean, forget about looking at other people. Look at yourself. Look at, look at the problems that, I mean, heck, that I have with judgment and with, you know, hurting people. I mean, that's... That's, that's the reality of where we're at. Um, and so there's, there's that reality of the fact that we're going to, at some point, face rejection. And we're going to face being exposed, uh, so, to, so to speak. And so um, when, we, when we see it like that, when we have this fear of being rejected, we have this fear of being, uh, our shame being exposed, um, what we're doing is, um, after that, we give people the power to give us value or worth. Um, when we allow people's rejection... Um, when we allow people exposing us to determine our value or worth, we're giving them that power. Um, we, we're giving them that power to determine our value and worth. When they reject us, we interpret that as, 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 as dealing directly with who we are, with, with our value as people. Um, and so we seek affirmation from other people out of this fear because we don't want to, nobody likes to be hurt. Nobody likes to be rejected. And so what we do as a result of that, we're going to seek affirmation from people. We're going to seek approval from people. Um, out of, out of this fear of being rejected, because we don't, we don't like that, which is normal. It's good. Um, so we go back to the example. Let me get some examples. Um, I'm going to use some very stereotypical guy-girl examples, so please don't, please don't uh, hate me. Um, let's go with the guys first. Guys like being in control. Uh, guys like having the answers, knowing what's going on. And so we take a guy, somebody that, you know, if you, guy, you're at your job, um, you make this mistake. It's visible to everybody that, even the people that work below you. And so you, you're embarrassed. You then go on to, um, to just feel like, man, I'm, I'm not a good employee. I, I'm, I'm terrible. I, you know, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not worth anything. You begin to snowball of insecurity and condemnation and all this stuff. So we see that example. Girls, uh, you know, appearance is a, is a big deal. I'm not, and, again, these aren't just related to guys or girls. But I'm just using big stereotypical examples. Um, appearance is, is a big deal. Um, and so if, if somebody, or you feel somebody has commented in some negative way on your appearance, um, you go and you diet for however many days, or it's, we, you allow it to affect who you are as a person, and you allow it to affect how you respond to that and how you see yourself. Um, so we look at that, and we see the fact that people can reject us. We see the fact that there's, shame that we're, there's sin that we're ashamed of. Um, look at the real world, and, and we see that the fact that our good, good performance is, is rewarded, and this is not a, a bad thing in and of itself, by any means. Uh, good good uh, hard work, good performance should be rewarded. Um, but the problem is, when we combine that reward, that tangible reward, which feels good when people acknowledge this, and it should, I'm not saying that's bad, um, but we combine that with this, um, this, uh, this seeking of approval, um, and we begin to... to see people's approval of us to give us this identity, this value. And we're devastated when we don't get it. And so that's just, it's it's a bad place to be. Um, You know, like I said, I've been there, and I'm sure we've all been there. Um, 
So we come into, we, what we begin to do is we begin to kind of work into this legalistic mindset where we see our approval as being a result of our good works, our good actions. See our, our worth as being a result of these good works or good actions. Um, uh, we see, we want to be good enough for people. We want to be good enough for God. Um, and so we set up the standard, which it could be different for all of us, the standard of, of what is good and what we should act like. And, um, and we try, and we, we, we pursue that at all costs. And so essentially what we've done is we've set up this God, this people that we feel like we can control. We can control what people think of us by our actions. Um, but in the reality, that, that, this God that we've set up, the one that we think we can control, is, it really ends up controlling us, which is what happens when we, when we seek idols for value and for worth. Um, it, it controls us in, in some very harmful ways. Um, on top of that, we have some ver- a very loose control of this, of this God. We, um, approval from one person isn't, just one person isn't good enough. We are constantly seeking approval from every single person we come in contact with, strangers, friends, um, coworkers, you name it. Um, and the thing is, when we don't get it from one, you know, for some of us, when we don't get it for, from that one person, we're devastated. Even though we've gotten it from other people, it's, we're just constantly seeking it from these different people. So we, it's never enough just to get it from one person. So it's, it's a very slippery slope, very unhealthy place to be in. And it's bondage for a lot of us. It's, it's bondage. We are in bondage to this fear. Um, it's an awful way to live. Like, like I said, I've been there and I've experienced it. and It's, it's not good. Um, so we talked a lot about the roots. I promise you, this is going to, we're going to get to some solutions here in a second. And, uh, and I think Paul does an excellent job, I mean, an excellent job of, of addressing this. And, and we're, going to, we're going to dive into that. Um, but when we see this, we see the fact that we, we're just constantly, some of us are constantly seeking approval, uh, constantly seeking people's, uh, allowing people to determine our worth and our value. Um, how does it manifest? And we're going to look at two ways, um, in community and with our relationship with the Lord. Um, we're going to start with community, um, and basically community is people that we live, live with, and really, for us, our church body. Um, one of the things that it manifests is we start to put these expectations on people. Um, because we have made people this God, and because that we have set them up to this, this, this high level that is, that is greater than, than our God, um, we place these ridiculous expectations on them to fulfill things that they can't, that they can't give us. Um, we expect them to give us value, and we expect them to give us worth, and we expect them to give us all the affirmation, all these things. Um, and if we don't get it, we react poorly. We become insecure. We become angry. Um, this, you can see this happening with people that, uh, you know, are, are responding to um, people that, they, that they're under, uh, either in the church, like, you know, pastors or community group leaders or whatever. Um, uh, you see it in a lot of different areas. So if we don't get this, if we don't get this approval from these people that we have set up to be this God, whether we realize it or not, we um, we we react poorly. Uh, another uh, another way that this manifests within community is um, with uh, how to handle conflict uh, biblically. Too many of us, for fear of what um, the other person is going to think, do not handle conflict well. Um, again, I'm, I'm included in that. Um, we avoid conflict at all costs because it's uncomfortable because we don't want the other person to dislike us. And so what we do is we, we dwell on, the, on the, the way that the person has upset us. We um, allow it to simmer and turn into resentment and turn into anger, and then it gets just bigger and bigger and bigger in our head when, in reality, 
what it reached down to is we just didn't want to, we didn't want to approach them because we were scared of what they were going to think of us, and we didn't want to we didn't we didn't trust that as we approached them biblically um, that they were going to uh, we we didn't know how they were going to respond, and so um, so that's another way expectations confrontations. You look at uh, chapter uh, verse six um, in Second Timothy, Paul says uh, for this for this reason. I remind you to fan the flame the gift of God, which is in youth is laying on in my hands. It says, for God gave us a spirit of fear, uh, not a spirit of fear, but a power of love and self-control. So we see this, this thing, the spiritual gifts. Um, so many of us are, do not walk in our spiritual gifts confidently because of this fear of man. Um, if God, for instance, if God has given you a spirit of discernment where you can really just tell what's going on with people. Um, some of us sometimes, we're just afraid to approach people because we're, you know, we don't want them to think we're weird or we don't want to be wrong and then we're going to look stupid. Um, same thing, prayer. If you just have this heart for prayer and God's telling you, you can go pray for this person, you're like, well, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm weird? Are they, you know, why you ask me to do this? Um, I can go, I could use examples from all kinds of spiritual gifts. But the thing is, we don't walk in confidently in our spiritual gifts a lot of times because of this fear of man, because of this fear of, a, of rejection or uh, uh, this fear that, that people aren't going um, to like us. And so uh, Paul's really addressing that here with Timothy. He says, you know, walk. I remind you, fan in the flame the gift of God, um, which, you, which is in you through laying on my hands. It, God's given us these gifts to walk confidently in, not because of who we are. We're going to look at that in a second, but because of who he is and who he's, who he's uh, shown himself to be in us. Um, so talking about expectations, uh, conflict, spiritual gifts. Um, some of us uh, tend to isolate ourselves from community. Um, and uh, a lot of times we disguise this as independence. Um, we... Um, pride ourselves on not caring what people think, and, uh, you know, I'm my own person, I can handle life on myself. Reality, a lot of times, that A, that's due to, probably due to some kind of trust that you, trust issues you've had with people hurting you in the past, and so you were just scared to, um, to, uh, to kind of step out and trust people. Again, I've been there as well, so, <clears throat> and I think without realizing that, we're being controlled by people. Even though we say we're, we're being independent, we're still being controlled by people, um, uh, so we talk about in isolation, independence, um, and the last thing. And this is kind of all of the ones I've mentioned before can kind of lead into this. And um, we talk about division in, in the church body, in the body. Um, let's uh, let's look. Turn your Bibles to uh, kind of keep your finger on Second Timothy because we're going to come back here in a second. Turn uh, to Galatians two, uh, verses eleven to uh, fourteen. We uh, we see just a perfect example of, of how this fear of man can create. Uh, can potentially create division. Um, I'll turn there myself. Um, so let's read real quick. It says, uh, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So here, here we see Peter, huge, I mean, a huge figure in the early church. And, and we see Paul opposing Peter for something as a direct result of the fear of man. Basically what's going on here is Peter was with this church and he was with, these, with the Gentiles and... Um, was eating with the Gentiles, not following the Jewish uh, dietary laws, um, had the, <clears throat> been preaching to him about justification by faith alone um, and not by works. And then these 
Jewish Christians come in there, and all of a sudden he sees them, and, and, and they're following these laws and all that stuff, and he kind of retreats back and starts to follow these Jewish dietary laws um, for fear of these, these, Jew, these men. And it leads to Barnabas being led astray. It leads to, uh, basically what it leads to is the diminishment of this, this idea of uh, justification by, by faith alone. That he kind of added some works to it and caused these Gentile Christians to kind of question, okay, well, is it just by faith or do I have to do all these um, Jewish customs in order to be a good Christian? Um, and so we see Peter here, who is hugely foundational in the, in the early church, um, uh, suffering from this, this, this problem of fear of man. We see him earlier. Remember the denial in, uh, on, when Jesus was, uh, was with Pilate? Denied, denied uh, Jesus three times. <clears throat> and uh, so we see Peter had this struggle. Um, and so all these things I've talked about, expectations, uh, inability to handle conflict well, not using our spiritual gifts, um, the tendency to isolate ourselves, or uh, the tendency to kind of, uh, all these things leading to division in the body. All these things come as a result of us just seeking the approval in the wrong places. Um, so we talked about community. Let's talk about how this, uh, this approval uh, addiction kind of manifests itself with our appearance, with our relationship with the Lord. Um, we, uh, one thing we do is we tend to exalt appearance over obedience. Um, we, uh, prime example of that is Saul in, in 1 Samuel. Um, where uh, you know, Samuel gives Saul these specific instructions to kill all the people, and we've talked about this before in church, um, to kill this particular group um, of people. Um, and he goes out, they, they conquer him. He doesn't kill everybody. He keeps the best of, he kills everybody, keeps the, uh, keeps the king alive, keeps the best of the animals, basically disobeys God. And, and he goes on and says in verse, uh, first Samuel, you don't have, have to turn to this, I'll just read it. First uh, Samuel 15, uh, verse 24. He says, uh, Saul said to Samuel, this is after Samuel confronted him about it, and he says, uh, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And so he could have been fearing the people for fear of harm, could have been fearing them for how he looked. Regardless, he allowed the fear of man to affect his obedience, uh, which happens a lot. Uh, again, it happens a lot in my life, and uh, I'm sure it's happened at some point with, with all of us. Um, Ed Welch, uh, the guy I was telling you about that, that wrote that book, he, uh, he, I'm going to quote him real quick because I think he puts it real well. He says, uh, a lot of times we are more concerned about looking stupid uh, for fear of people than we are than, than about acting sinfully, um, which is dealing with the fear of the Lord. And so that, that's so true, so true so much. Um, I look at how much that's true in my life, and, and it's, it, sometimes it's a little embarrassing. Um, another way that, uh, that it manifests uh, with our relationship with the Lord is, is our identity. Um, we, we talk a lot about identity in here um, and about who we are in Christ. And a lot of times what will happen is as we seek this approval from people, we begin to transfer that performance-related behavior to how we relate to the Lord. And so we begin to seek our approval from the Lord. We begin to see the Lord as, as, as giving us this approval based on our actions, um, saying that we are good enough because of how we acted. Um, and so we, we have this very fragile view of the Lord, that one that you know, we're good when, things, when, we, when, we, when we obey him, but when we, when, we, when we screw up and we sin, we think that he is just angry with us, he is disappointed in us, he's pointing his finger at us. Um, and we gain our value because with and how we see our relationship with the Lord based off of how we're acting. Um, and so, man, I feel like it's been kind of heavy up until this point, and it, and it has probably. Um, but I think this is this is the cool part about where we're going. Um, we talked about the fact that there's sin, that we have naturally there's sin in our lives. Um, um, the fact that there's shame because of that sin, that we, because of that we fear. Rejection, we fear being exposed by people. 
Um, and so, uh, and how that relates to our community and how it relates to our uh, relationship with the Lord. Um, so let's look, let's talk about solutions now. Um, I think this is where, this is the, the meat of what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, well, first, let's talk about what, what the worldly solution is. And um, worldly solution is just have more self-confidence. Sounds good, right? I mean, it sounds okay, and it's not all bad uh, if we're looking at it from a certain viewpoint. But if we kind of st- step back and, and look at it just from a worldly point of view, um, where the world says that people are inherently good um, and that we should just have more confidence in who we are. Um, again, confidence not bad. Um, looking at it from this, this, this point of view, not great. Because what happens is, A, we can't avoid the fact that, like I talked about earlier, we, we screw up. You know, we're not okay in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, and so we can't ignore that reality of sin. Um, but also we become more focused on us. We become more focused on, on ourselves, and that brings up this awareness of sin, and so we just kind of go into this snowball effect. Um, so the problem is not that we need to, have, not to think more highly of ourselves. It's that we need to start by thinking of ourselves less often. And this is where I think Paul does a beautiful job in all of his letters, all of his letters, but does a beautiful job in this letter specifically, too, about addressing this fear and what we're supposed to do with it. So let's, let's read. Um, let's go back to 2 Timothy, and let's go ahead and... Uh, and, and just read through what we're going to talk about. We're going to go 8 to... F- tell you what, before we do that, let me talk about the solution. Because I think what we're, going to, we're going to talk about how he manifests the solution. So what, in, in this book, Ed Welch mentions what the solution to this, this fear of man is. He, and his, his, his solution, I think it's a biblical solution, is to fear God. Now, when we talk about fear of God, I think a lot of us, you know, sometimes immediately go to this fear of, uh, this scared of type fear. Like, we're scared of God. We should be scared of God because he's a holy God. I think if we look at that from the lens point, from the viewpoint of us before we were Christians, legitimate, you know, because of the fact that um, that we are, you know, that before before Christ, before Christ covered us with His blood and, and on the cross, you know, um, God as as the Holy One, as the Perfect One, has to deal with sin, and and He deals with it in in, in, a, in a pretty scary way. And so, but when we look at this from um, a healthy fear of God, and this is where uh, we're going to go tonight. Um, let's look at the, I think I have the, have the definition up there, Dave? Okay, good deal. Um, healthy, and this comes from, again, from that book as well. Um, a healthy fear of the Lord is a, is a reverent submission and that leads to obedience and is interchangeable with worship, rely on, trust, and hope in. I think that's beautiful, and I think we're going to really see what that means um, more um, when we look at the, the God that Paul's talking about here in 2 Timothy. So let's, uh, let's go, we're going to read kind of verse by verse and, uh, and look at um, how to address this and what how to gain this healthy fear of the Lord. Um, so let's go to verse 8. It says, uh, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our, our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. We're going to stop there. So let's look at that. So we don't need to be ashamed. Um, we don't need to be fearful of man because... Um, because of the power of God, and you look at verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. So we see this God um, who is completely loving, who loves us enough that he is going to address this problem of sin with his children by sending himself to suffer and to die this horrible death so that we can be in a relationship with him. Not because of us, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his purpose and his grace, but because of his character because of who he is, because of the fact that he is completely loving, completely caring, completely full of grace. 
Um, so that when we, look at, when we look at that, we begin to move away from this approval-seeking uh, behavior because we are no longer good enough because of who we are. We are good enough because of who he says we are and because of who he, he has made us to be um, on the cross. And so we can endure suffering by that power, um, which, is, which is incredible. Um, let's, let's go on. Um, so verse, end of verse 9, he says, But because of his own purpose and grace, uh, which he gave us in Christ Jesus uh, before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So we see back at the end of verse 9, he, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This is, sin did not come as a surprise to God. I know there's a lot of questions that go with that, but uh, can't ignore the truth. Um, uh, sin did not surprise God. Um, he did not have to scramble and figure out a solution. This is the, this is the purpose that he had out of his love, out of his, out of his grace from the beginning of time for us to restore his children to a right relationship. Um, so we go on and says, uh, which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Um, we talk about that tangible, feel-good approval that we get from him. This is the most tangible experience of God's, uh, expression of God's love that there is, him coming to earth in the form of, of a human, in the form of Jesus Christ, um, which has been displayed for us, is recorded in, this, in, in our Bibles. We get to see that love uh, uh, walked out through the words that, through the, the, the words that are in here, the, the way Jesus lived. We have this very tangible, tangible reality of, of, of who God is and, 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 and what his love is for us. Um, so we say, who abolished death. Let's go back. And it says, which now has been manifested through the appearance of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Who abolished death and brought life and immortality. No, no, no longer do we have to fear death, fear harm. Um, because of what Jesus did. See, that's, there's this bigger picture going on in this physical world that we're living in. There's this bigger picture that's going on. Um, so much, this, this picture that so much that we don't have to fear dying. Um, that life does not end with death. Um, yeah, death is painful. It's painful for those involved, and it should be. But we have no reason to let that fear control us. No reason to let that fear control us because of what Christ did and how he displayed his power um, by, by, uh, by abolishing, I love that word, abolish death. Um, no reason to fear death. No reason to fear man. Um, let's go on to, uh, I think it's verse 11. It says, uh, For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Um, it says, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom, whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day uh, what has been entrusted to me. So Paul is directly confronting uh, this fear um, of death. He says, uh, he says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, even though I'm facing death, even though I'm facing imminent death. He says, I'm not ashamed because I know, uh, I know whom I believed. I know the, 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 the Jesus that I'm talking about. I know the God that I'm talking about. And I know that he is able, he says, he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And this, this gospel that he hasn't been entrusted to me to teach, to proclaim to, uh, to you, to uh, the people, all the churches that, that he's, he's uh, helped get going. He... He can trust the God. He can trust that God that sent himself to die um, with these things. He can trust that. Let's, move, let's go on to, uh, to verse 13. It says, Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. It's by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So there's some action on our part. 
He says, uh, follow, the sound, follow the pattern of sound words. But he also says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit. Um, so we see that interaction between us and God. Um, so and I'm going to come back to that in a second about our interaction and how, how, what our part is. Um, but when we, kinda, when we begin to get this perspective, when we begin to get this appropriate fear of the Lord, this reverence, this awe, this, um, just this realization of who this God is that we're talking about, um, one of our natural responses is that we're going to love people. And that's, that's big when we're talking about fear of man. Um, let's turn uh, real quick, and, let, and we're going to close out in a second. Um, let's turn to First Thessalonians 2. And uh, we're going to do verses 1 through 4 and verse 8. We've got time to get there. It says, uh, this is Paul again. It says, uh, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we have boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And we go up to verse 8. He says, uh, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our, also our own selves, because you become very dear to us. Um, Ed Welch talks in his book, he says, uh, he says, With regard to other people, he says, Our problem is not that we need them for our... Is, our problem is... I'm sorry, with regard to other people, our problem is that we need them for ourselves more than we love them for the glory of God. And that's, that's a hugely revealing statement for me, um, especially when I'm uh, dealing with my own self, looking at this, this fear of God. Um, the fact that when we, this fear of man, when, the fact that whenever I am being controlled by the approval of other people, the fact that I'm being controlled by um, who, being worried about what people think of me and all that stuff, I'm more concerned about that than I am about loving them. And so as we gaze on this God, as we begin to understand who this God is that we love, our natural response is to get this proper perspective of who God is, um, this humility that comes along with seeing who God is. And we naturally begin to love people. And so we, we begin to think less of ourselves, less of how we look, less of how can we get uh, this stuff from people, how can we get this approval from people, and we begin to learn how to love people. Um, because of the love that's been shown to us. And that's, just, that's huge. Um, now, that whole idea of, of thinking of ourselves less and loving people more and, and loving God more um, is so freeing when you think about it, um, when you talk about this, this struggle with, with approval, addiction, or fear of man, however you want to put it. Um, because it does take the focus off of us. Um, and what it does is it allows us to look at ourselves in a more healthy way. We can deal with sin and deal with these tough times and deal with suffering and deal with opposition in so much more of a healthy way because it no longer speaks to who we are, who, our identity, our worth, or whatever, and so we're, we're no longer devastated by it. But we can deal with it in a way that's so much more healthy um, because we are rooted in the love of God and we are acting out of a love for Him and a love for people. So, um, we go back to, let's go back to, turn back to first, second, uh, first, tell you what, don't worry about turning back there. It'll, it'll be on the screen. Y'all been turning a lot, so don't worry about turning back there. Just listen. Um, so what, what do we want to take away from tonight? A bunch, probably. Um, um, but let, <clears throat> let's look at how to, how to, how to deal with this. Um, first, we, how, do we, how do we incorporate this? So first, we pray. 
Um, we come to the Lord and, and ask that they, the Lord, will reveal uh, this tendency within us. If this is a big problem for some of us, then ask the Lord to reveal it to you, because I promise you it's more, it's more prevalent than, than you think. Um, it, it, it affects your relationships a whole lot more than you think. Um, so we pray. We, we meditate on the gospel. Paul does a great job of this. We, we continue to return to the gospel, the cross. Um, we sang that song just a while ago, a beautiful song, but um, talking about lead us to the cross. Uh, where your love poured out. And that, that's the way that we make God big. We make much of God. We develop a healthy fear of the Lord as we go back to the cross. We go back to um, just understanding this love that has been present. And so this love that values us for who, for, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And, and he says that we are valuable. Um, so we meditate on that. We pursue that. Um, the cross is it's, it's essential for us to understand the cross in order for us to really understand the love of God. And so we continue to, 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 to think and to pray and, and to read and all that stuff. Um, and the third thing, we, so we pray, meditate on the gospel, and we fight. Um, and, and in verse 7 in uh, 2 Timothy, uh, Paul goes through three things. He says, for God did not give us, for God gave us a uh, spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And that big one is self-control. Um, and we see in verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit. Um, so we see this interaction between us and God. Um, so we, we don't just let our thoughts take control of us. We don't just say, oh, well, this is how I am. You know, uh, we don't just, uh, just give in to this fear. We fight, not because of, again, not because of our own strength, but because of the strength of, of this God who loves us so much that he put his spirit within us and gave us power and gave us the ability to love him and love other people and gave us the ability to control these thoughts, to control um, to not let these, our minds just toss us in all kinds of different directions. Um, so <clears throat> another thing we might need to do as a result of that, as a result of fighting, is we, may, we need to seek help, whether that be um, opening up, being transparent about it with, uh, with our friends, our community groups, uh, the people that we live life together with. Seek help. Don't walk through this alone. Um, some of us need, may need professional counseling. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world, I promise. Um, very healthy way to, to address stuff like this. And I think probably all of us could use some sort of counseling um, in, in some areas. And so God is, <laughs> I didn't mean that as a slight, but <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but God has gifted people to, in a lot of different ways, and, and counselors are one of those ways. They, begin, they, they, a lot of times, are able to provide an objective uh, viewpoint and speak a lot of truth and to discern um, what the root of the problems are. So um, it's okay to do that. It's okay to do that because our insufficiency is not, our, our, our struggles do not define us. Our struggles do not define our value and worth. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and close. Um, we, we serve a, a beautiful God. Um, we are loved by an incredible, incredibly beautiful God and one that loves us and that values us and that is working in us, that is sanctifying us, and that is um, making us more like him um, so that the world may see his love and his character through, through our lives. Not that we have to be perfect, so we don't. Um, that's the beauty of it. God uses that grace. God uses us who are kind of working through these struggles of our own to display his love and his power. And I think that when we begin to understand um, how much he values us, then we begin to walk in a, in a in a way that we are freed up to love people. So um, let's uh, let the band come on back up. We're going to um, 
just play one more song. And um, I don't, I don't, like Josh always says, I don't know where this hits you. I'm sure it hits all of us in a little bit different way. But this this night was not to, it's not for us to walk away in any kind of condemnation um, or any kind of just feeling terrible. This is a, a night that we need to walk away with hope and um, with excitement um, because of the fact that um, that our God loves us and. He is He is refining us, and He is going to accomplish His purposes. And so I think that uh, just having that spirit of, of joy and of hope is an important thing for us to walk away from today because of the fact that we've got a better picture of who God is and how He loves us. Uh, so let's pray. Father, I just um, I love you so much, and I just thank you so much for how you display uh, your love for us in so many, uh, so many ways that there is just... Uh, so much that we have to learn um, but yet you are so patient with us uh, and, and, and the fact that uh, just because you love us and because you want you you are displaying your glory and your character uh, through our lives so I just pray that we will walk away from tonight with confidence, with hope, with joy um, because uh, of, the, of who you are That's, it's that simple Father God because of who you are we can face any kind of struggle any kind of uh, sin any kind of suffering because you, because of your character, because of who you are in us, and the fact that you love us, and uh, you speak directly to us. Lord, I just pray that you will uh, speak directly to us tonight and show us where uh, where you want to deal with us on this issue. We love you so much, and uh, all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.